Well, the obvious question today is simple. <laughs> How does the OUPA voice drawing uh, false start penalties affect OU football recruiting? We'll take your text on the matter all day long. 405-651-3439. Is this going to hurt OU offensive line, Cruton Parker, that they got a PA voice up there that's drawing false start penalties? Oh, what a discussion. <laughs> the Monday, everyone is uh, taking blame after that loss to uh, Kansas State on Saturday, and they should, man. They're, there's not really anything that you can look at and say that it was a positive. I'm like, Eric Gray ran the ball well in the second half, but that's immediately negated when you get some momentum and you get a false start penalty after. This is, look, and we're, we're hardly ever, really never, talking about any positives after a loss, but this is one, Parker, where I don't remember another loss where this many individuals are listed. Uh, as their fault. They they had a hand in this loss. I mean, we're talking about the PA guy today had a hand in this loss. Yeah, hey, somebody on the text line blamed Phil Collins. Somebody on the text line blamed Lon Kruger, Tyler. So everybody's shouldering a little bit of the blame today. You're talking about the guys that performed well on Saturday. That list is pretty short. <laughs> Eric Gray performed well. Marvin Mims and Braden Willis performed well. Hell, is it a hot take at this point? To say that Dylan Gabriel performed well because uh, I felt like he did. Yeah, I mean, a, a little bit. I, I still think he missed on some throws. But, hey, recruiting, that's what we focus on this hour. Hey, I, th- there's a lot to be concerned about with this team moving forward. Like, the good news, I guess, if you're ready to, to hear good news at 2 o'clock on a Monday after the loss, I still think you're going to get David Hicks on Wednesday. Uh, yeah. And I don't know if that does anything for anybody today, but – I don't think that that loss, and I don't think that there's a lot of people out there thinking this way, I don't think that that loss Saturday had any impact whatsoever on David Hicks. David Hicks moved up his commitment date because David Hicks was ready to be done with recruiting. He's ready to make his decision. And that OU-Kansas State game wasn't going to have an impact at all. So I still very much expect David Hicks to put on an OU hat 3.30 Central on ESPN Wednesday afternoon. You know what all the recruits were buzzing about on social media after that game got over? Uh, Not the outcome, the environment. Really? Yeah. How about that? And the environment was undeniably awesome. Do, so they like Phil gonna, Collins is what you're telling me. I, I don't know if they like Phil Collins specifically, but they like how invested the crowd was. And let me tell you, from a purely environment perspective, it was an awesome game on Saturday. Now, <laughs> I don't know that anybody is going to – give it a second thought in the aftermath because the Sooners lost the football game, but that was as good as of an environment start to finish as I have seen at Owen Field. And it was, it was, it was on the cusp Parker of being even better, you know? And, and and that's kind of, well, it's one of the major storylines of the game is, man, you were so close so many times from really busting it open and finding some momentum and that crowd going crazy Billy Bowman's underneath the football. Malik Knowles makes a great play. Probably was offensive pass interference on that play. But he makes a great play that knocks it away. You start getting some things in the running game in the third quarter. Then you have those false start penalties that hurt. You were just so close from that place exploding. And it going crazy inside the palace. And you were just never able, ever able to get any consistent momentum on Saturday. It, it was It was highly frustrating. And... Travis and I talked about it for two hours on the postgame show is all losses around here 
are handled in a certain way where everyone's really, really, really upset. Yeah. I, but this one, it was just... I feel like this one has been taken a lot harder than previous losses just because you thought that you were done losing like this, and it is the exact same way that you've lost to Kansas State, what, four times now at home since 2012. Yeah. It just looked all too familiar. The first loss of the Venables era was always going to lead to a more – what even is a proper word? The meltdown was always going to be more severe after loss number one under Venables than it has been in years past. And I don't know if that's – I don't know if it was going to be substantially worse, but because of how much has been made about the culture changing and about uh, the turnover in the coaching staff and how it's holistically benefited the locker room and how these guys are so juiced uh, to play for this new staff, obviously the first loss was going to be tough for a lot of people to swallow, and it has been. But – Guess what? It's still all out there in front of Oklahoma. Oh, oh, yeah, I got completely tongue twisted. It's still all out there in front of You giving us the Bob Stoops, all our goals are still intact? That's that's what you're giving yeah, us today? Yeah, all their goals are still mm. intact. And maybe nobody wants to hear that on this Monday. But when you look at Brent Venable's track record and you look at his team's ability to bounce back from losses – and I understand to a certain extent that he's never been a head coach before, so maybe the narrative is a little different in that regard. But you remember in 2016 when Clemson lost to Pittsburgh on their home field? Was that on a uh, – Was that on a? Th- no, the loss to Syracuse was on a Thursday night. I think that was on like a Saturday maybe. Yeah, yes. yeah it, it was a Saturday. It was in November. And I can't remember the final score of that game, but Pittsburgh hung a ton of points on the board. They ended up winning on a field goal by a kicker who is ironically named Chris Blewett. So Pittsburgh knocks off Clemson that day. And I think if you'd told any Clemson fan that that defense was going to lead them to a national championship over Jalen Hurts in Alabama two months later, they probably would have laughed you out of the bar. But when you have the right people in place, when you have the right minds in place, one loss like this does not derail an entire season. It doesn't, and maybe they bounce back. Maybe this staff is different from the previous staffs, right? I mean, we have seen OU teams take an early season loss and figure it out the rest of the way, but that's just, I mean, that, that's the bad part of this, Parker, is other than having, you know, being no one one in conference play, I don't know what this team is after four games this season yeah, now. It, 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 I mean, Yes, they are allowed to bounce back and play really good ball and show that defense that they showed the first three games. This team is allowed to do that. But against the best team that they face, that's what they look like. So we're a third of the way into the regular season. And, man, I don't know what to expect the next two weeks. Should I expect more missed tackles? Should I expect guys being open in the middle of the field? I I, I don't think I'm going to move forward next week and expect them to play that bad defensively. But what should we expect the product look like moving forward? It's a giant unknown, and we'll talk about it all week long, and we truly won't know until the next two games. Because if you win the next two games, which is easier said than done. Much easier said than done. You're going to be okay. I mean, you you go to TCU, you beat Texas, then you kind of not hit a lull because you got to play Kansas at home. My God, they may be 6-0, and but you're going to be able to catch your breath a little bit before you go into that back-end stretch run. Somebody on the text line said, Parker, the first loss of the Venables era was scheduled for 2035. We kind of all thought that. Yeah, I mean, and, um, and that's, and I mean, I, I know that they're trying to be funny there, but 
the thought Saturday night just felt like, oh my God, we got duped again. And we thought that we were done losing like this, but I feel like such an idiot for thinking that this wasn't going to happen again. Here's what I feel like I can say, Tyler. And I agree that we don't have a complete pulse on this team's identity and or who they're going to be after four games. But I feel like I can say one thing with certainty. And I don't know how many are expecting me to say this. But I feel like the one thing that I can say with certainty about this OU football team after four games is that this offense is going to be really good and really productive because they just put up 550 yards and 34 points on a team that I feel like has the best defense that they'll play all season. Yeah, look, I I think the offense moving forward, they're going to be able to put up points and yards. My biggest question with the offense is can they do it where – they're able to sustain a drive. Because I've seen an offense now through four games, they're at their best when they go up-tempo. There is no doubt about it. They're, I think that this is a really good offense when they go up-tempo. If you, you, you can't go up-tempo every single down, though. And, and my big question is, one, how good is this offensive line when they're not going fast, especially up against a defensive front that's pretty good, got pass rushers, they can stop the run. If they need a four- or five-minute touchdown drive, or maybe even longer than that to aid their defense a little bit, is this offense able to do that? And I just don't know. And that was one of the issues Saturday to me, Parker, is, again, it's pretty obvious. This offense is better when they're going up-tempo. I think they're a lot better. But they put themselves in a situation where they really couldn't at times, even in the second half, because the time of possession was so was so wide. I they wanted to to try to get back in the game a little bit, but at the same time they thought we can't we can't have a forty five second drive and throw our defense right back out there. And you give credit to Kansas State for that, but because they the first two drives set the tone for the entire game for them offensively. But OU is fighting an uphill battle all night long, and that's just I I don't doubt. I think you're right. The offensive numbers will look good moving forward. But when they need to have a drive that's 10, 12 plays, are they going to be able to do that? And I, that's still a giant question mark for me. Kendall says on the text line, Parker, you were wrong. They couldn't sustain a drive, and when they got off track, they struggled. They couldn't sustain a drive? How many times did they punt? Three times? I don't remember exactly how many times they punted. You have got to give adequate praise to that Kansas State defense for what they are because that's a really good defensive team and Brent Venable said it in postgame that's a top 10 defense in college football in every category so no Oklahoma was not perfect offensively they did not score on every drive that's an unrealistic expectation but they did more than enough to win the football game and I think what gives me the most encouragement going forward Tyler is that And yes, I do want to validate your concern about this team being able to slow things down when they need to. But I also think that one of the simplest things to eliminate offensively is stupid procedure penalties. And as long as you eliminate those in practice this week, and that was basically the first thing out of Jeff Levy's mouth this morning at his press conference was, we're going to emphasize that in practice and we will get rid of those dumb penalties. If you eliminate that, You take that out of the equation. What was an impressive performance offensively for Oklahoma on Saturday probably becomes all the more impressive because there were several times where OU's momentum on a drive or their opportunity to go for it on fourth and short got 
instantly killed. Those were massive penalties. Yeah, yeah, penalties. They're only five-yard penalties, but those were massive penalties in the game that cost you points. You know, I'm, And you can argue that they pick up that fourth and one, they score a touchdown, there's four points that you left out on the field. OU's offense left points out on the field on Saturday. There, I mean, there's, there's no doubt about sure. it. And it's, it's only their own faults. And the PA in the in the PA voice, according to the text line, right? 405-651-3439. Kidding, of course, but uh we got a ton of text to get to. We still got to get to some crutin over the weekend. David Hicks, um, he's going to make his announcement in what, about forty-nine hours from now. And if there's something that this fan base needs right now, it's a commitment from a five star defensive lineman. I'm not saying that that's totally going to turn the attitude around for some OU fans, but um, that's going to be very well needed by this uh, fan base come Wednesday afternoon. Yeah, it'll help assuage the sting of the loss, if only momentarily. Yeah, text line, again, Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. It is locked in with McComas and Thune, live on the ref. More to come next on the Homeless Sooner Fans. Locked in with McComas and Thune, live on the ref for the Homeless Sooner fans. Tyler McComas, Parker Thune inside the Brown O'Haver Studios. And they're listening worldwide via the KREF app, app uh, Parker. Chandler, Arizona. Derry, Pennsylvania. Fort George Meade, Maryland. Porterville, California. Cary, North Carolina. And your small town of the day, we've got Tipton, Oklahoma. Tipton, Oklahoma. Tipton, somebody, Oklahoma. Somebody requested that at some point last week. Really? So, yes. Well, they're Tipton's They uh, got their wish. In. Over there, I uh, believe that that's very close to the uh, Oklahoma-Texas border. So, appreciate everyone, as always, listening to us via the KREF app. Um, let's get to some text here. From the 402, with Ryan Yates not showing up to campus when it was thought he might flip this weekend, is that the last straw for OU to move on? I, LSU I commit, I for those of you that don't know. There are circumstances there. I'm not going to get too deep into them. But, no, I don't think that is the last straw. I think we are very close, though. And I would think if there isn't tangible movement in the direction of a flip within the next week or two, I would think you see a couple more offers go out. OU uh, at least sent out one twenty-five offer um, after this weekend. Yes. What was the main kind of react? I mean, we talked about it a little bit last last uh, last segment, but like, what's the main storyline? The main takeaway from the reaction of this past recruiting weekend as it pertains to the twenty twenty-three class? I mean, guys were super impressed with the environment. As far I mean, if you're talking specifically about the twenty twenty-three class, I thought it was interesting that Mike Atiz was on campus. And that kind of bolsters the point that Oklahoma is not going to wait forever on Ryan Yates. And as a matter of fact, I think there are a couple guys right now that if they tried to commit, OU would probably take them. Uh, we had Brandon Drum on the show Friday, myself and Steely. And Brandon said, I think if Marvin Burks picked up the phone and told OU he wanted to come, they wouldn't think twice about it. So as far as 2023 is concerned, 
Peyton Bowen did make it up, even though Ryan Yates didn't. I still like OU in that race. I don't think the loss affects it in a major way because, again, if you if you want to boil it down to Peyton Bowen's three finalists, Notre Dame just lost to Marshall a couple weeks back, and Texas A&M lost to Appalachian State. So Kansas State is by far the most forgivable. Yeah, and, and again, these things may not matter, and sometimes and a lot of times they don't matter in a recruitment. I mean, we've been talking about this. Like, I, I just don't think losing to Kansas State is going to flip Peyton Bowen's mind one way or the other. Maybe he picks OU, maybe he picks A&M. I, I, I don't know. Maybe even the Appalachian State loss didn't affect Peyton Bowen's mind all that much. But we are kind of, as this thing rolls on, we, when we talked about it, we're getting to a point now where it's like, all right, Peyton Bowen, either you're going to flip or we're going to have to maybe move on here. Because this thing has lasted for several, several, several months and it's been the same talking point. Well, maybe yeah. this is the weekend, Parker. Maybe this is the weekend. It finally happens. And it doesn't, I mean, it hasn't happened yet. No, it still hasn't happened. Which, again, I'm not going to put a timeline on it because nobody knows what the timeline is right now. Uh, nobody. 918, Tyler, you sound like you may have lost faith in Brent Venables. I, I, did you get that from me last segment? No, I don't think I got I, that. Uh, I definitely haven't lost faith in Brent Venables. In fact, uh, the, the reasons why I think this team can still turn around and play pretty good football here for the rest of the way and honestly, will play better football moving forward has a lot to do with him. And I know, hey, he's a first-time head coach, first-time everything, first time he's had to deal with something like this. I don't think that you're going to see that level of defense next week. God, I hope not, right? I mean, they're not, they're not going to win very many games this year um, if they play that, that level of defense. But I, I haven't lost faith in Brent Vittables after that one loss. Do I have question marks now that I didn't have a week ago? Absolutely, and I don't know how you couldn't have question marks about this team yeah. after what we saw on Saturday. But total faith in Brent Venables? No, I still think it was a great hire. I still think it was the hire. And that, that one game doesn't flip my opinion of that. And I don't know why it would either. I know for some people it has. Uh, I don't know if those people were inebriated Saturday night when they were firing up their social media handles and message board accounts to post all this detritus about how Oklahoma is completely unchanged since the advent of Venables and this new staff. But that one game is not indicative of the type of team Oklahoma is going to be. And I, I said it last hour, I will say it again, I don't think you will see another performance like that from Oklahoma this year defensively. And I am willing to eat crow if I am wrong, but it was just so bad and it's so early that I think there are so many lessons you can take and apply and fix the, what is correctable, and there's a lot that's correctable, and fix those things on the practice field this week and feel pretty good about where you stand heading into a road tilt with TCU this weekend. Peyton says, here's my thing. I'm not worried about Venables in the future of the staff. I am worried, however, about this team 128. The next two weeks will tell us everything we need to know. I, yeah. I couldn't agree with that more. Again, you win the next two weeks, I think that we're going to have a different perspective about this football team. Now, just because you beat TCU and a Texas team that has two losses in no way means that this team will be totally fixed and they don't have some flaws to it. Like, yeah, there's a chance that you can win the next two weeks. And just like Kansas State did what they've been doing to you for a decade, Iowa State is allowed to do what they've done to you 
for the past five to six years. Yeah, they're, like I look at the schedule a lot differently today than I did last week. Um, but in, in terms of like the overall future of the staff, I still feel good about it. But sure, yes, yes, I've got questions about this team right now, for sure. And if you're one of those where one of your big question marks is the quarterback and you don't think that Dylan Gabriel is good enough for you to win a conference championship this year, well, I'm not saying that you're right on that. What I will tell you is that Jackson Arnold played another really good uh, football game on Friday. <laughs> he was 7-12 for 130 yards, two touchdowns uh, through the air, two on the ground in just one half. They uh, dominated their opponent so much that Jackson Arnold played one half of football and had four total TDs. Somebody on the text line asked, sorry, what about Hicks? Look, I still expect him to commit to Oklahoma on Wednesday. That hasn't changed. Another asks, why did OU fall so far down in the rankings to 18? Well, because they lost and didn't look good. And there's always going to be more drastic movement up and down the polls early in the season than there will be later in the yeah, season. Yeah, you because, lost to an unranked team, too. Yeah. They just lost to Tulane. I mean, the optics of it I, I are, are not great. And, you know, I... There are there a lot of moments in that game, Parker, where I looked up and said, how is OU only down seven points? Like, it it feels like OU got beat by more than seven points on Saturday after watching that game. It, it is still, with everything that happened, it's still crazy that they had a third and 16 with a chance to get off the field and give the ball back to their offense to win. And I, I can't believe we haven't brought up the third and 16 yet, but God, was that not just shades of what you've seen defensively for so long? Well, and that, I, that is the back-breaking play. That's the lasting image of that, that game on yeah. Saturday. And I broke it down on the YouTube channel, and I made the comment, look, if you want to point to one play that uh, encapsulates why the Sooners lost the football game, that's the play. And there were a lot of people that got in the comment section who were like, well, the game wasn't lost on a single play. No, it wasn't. But that one play was emblematic of the Sooners' struggles all night, and it was the most egregious and memorable example of them doing what they did all night and losing containment on Adrian Martinez and allowing him to burn them with their legs. That You simply can't let that happen. And as you look at the play design, and I, I've watched the play so many times over by now, Tyler, that play did exactly what it was designed to do for Kansas State. Adrian Martinez had a read on a 15-yard curl either side of the field where he could have hit a receiver if he had enough time and separation to get close to, if not past, the first down marker. And if it wasn't there, guess what? He was running. There was no second read. Yep. It was one of those 15-yard curls, or he was running. And the second he took off, there was There's nobody. nobody there. Nobody there. Nobody there He didn't get touched like, th- until 35 yards down the field. Yeah. And, and that, that summed up OU's futility on defense yeah. for the entirety of the night. You no, know, it, w- it was the cherry on top of, I mean, it, it wasn't a, you know, a great ice cream sundae that we got to watch or anything like that, but it was just, golly, this is all too familiar from what we've seen previously. And again, maybe this staff, maybe this particular team figures it out and turns on another level and plays good football from here on out. We have seen that from OU teams in the past. Yeah. But as of right now today, yeah, I mean, there are some big question marks that this team has to answer. And there's a text on the text line saying, well, you know, everyone in college football has their off game. Yeah. And OU just had their off game against a really good team. And I think that's a fair point. That could be true. But your off night was filled with really bad penalties and really bad tackling. You just fundamentally, Parker, were not a good football team. And I think what we had seen up to that point 
was a team that was fundamentally good, or at least fundamentally improved from a year ago. Yes. And you look like fundamentally you regressed back to you were, what, what you were last season. That's really, that's really disappointing. Sure. But I also think when you look at where Oklahoma left money on the table Saturday night, so many of those things are very easily correctable. Because you look top to bottom across this roster, and the issue doesn't come down to talent. Right? Oklahoma has it. And so if the talent is there, and the coaching is there, it's just got to gel on the field, and it's got to manifest in performance. And it certainly did in Lincoln against Nebraska. It didn't against Kansas State. But I have faith that this coaching staff is going to be able to take the film from Saturday night watch it over with the players, hit the practice field, make the requisite corrections, and come back out on the field against TCU and not make so many of those mistakes that they made the week prior. Also, and I I mentioned this with Steely last hour as well, but it bears repeating. You also have to give credit where credit is due and acknowledge that Adrian Martinez he played, great, played man. the game of his life. He, he did. He played the game of his life. But again, that goes back to kind of the, the main theme of the loss, of it being just like every other loss that seemingly you've had against Kansas State or lesser opponents over the past decade is you got manhandled up front and you made an average quarterback. You let him have the game of his career. You know, Yes, give credit to Adrian Martinez. He was great. There's no doubt. I also have little doubt that that's the best game ever that he's played yep. and probably the best game that he's ever going to play yep. in college football. And that's what stings again is whether it was uh, Cole Stout at Clemson or oh Kyle Kemp at, Ohio, or at, at Iowa State in 2017. You've just seen these guys that have come into an OU game struggling and they've had these incredible games and you say, how, why, why against OU do these guys have career days? That's, I mean, it's just one of the reasons why people are taking this loss so hard. Sure. But again, like, it, you also, and I'm not saying you should look at it like this, but you also can view it as a compliment to your football program because these guys are empty in the tank against the University of Oklahoma. I think it's pretty evident that given what we saw in Manhattan a week ago versus what we saw Saturday night in Norman, K-State overlooked Tulane. Because they were wholly concerned with game planning for Oklahoma. And to a certain extent, that's understandable because you should be able to beat a team like Tulane. Didn't Kleiman basically admit they were vanilla last week? Yeah. Did he say that? Yeah, the, yeah I thought he did. Yeah. So, look, I mean, I know this sentiment gets echoed a lot, but it's true. For so many teams in the Big 12, if not every single team in the Big 12, it's their Super Bowl when they play Oklahoma. And so, everybody, you would hope... It's going to come out with an extra, a little bit of extra juice. No reason not to, man. No. There is no reason not to come out and look like a different team on Saturday. Uh, I know no one wants to hear, well, this is the wake-up call that they needed, but this better be the wake-up call that they needed, or um, the season's going to get interesting really fast. You're a better football team than TCU. I understand that what TCU's undefeated up to this point, they're a 3-0 team. I think you're better than TCU. You should take care of business on Saturday. Will they? Well, I, I guess we got to wait a few days to find that one out. But this is another team, Parker, that's got an athletic quarterback that can make plays. And yes, Adrian Martinez, tip of the cap, great game, all that. But you're going to face some similar quarterbacks, I think, here moving forward. Max Duggan can run and make plays. We've seen that before. 
Jalen Daniels at Kansas. My God, he might be the best quarterback in the conference right now. Yeah, how about that? He can definitely use his feet to make plays. So that type of athletic quarterback's not going away off the schedule. In fact, that's kind of the norm of what you're going to be facing from here on out. 405-651-3439, Air Comfort Solutions text line. More to come next. Locked in with McComas and Thune on this Reaction Monday. Tyler McComas, Parker Thune in studio. Your text on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. A few uh, national recruiting notes before we get back to this game. Apparently, Keon Keeley, legit five-star defender. It's 50-50 right now, apparently, between uh, Ohio State and Alabama for his services. Ohio State really made a move that Notre Dame weekend where Ohio State hosted the Irish in week one. Buckeyes got a real, real chance at this kid. It's going to come down to Ohio State and Alabama. Florida trending down a little bit. Two horse race. I would not count Florida out, but I do not think they did themselves any favors with their performance through four weeks because that team could very easily be 0-4 right now. Probably should be at the very best 1-3. Um yeah, Ohio State, man. Who would have figured that they would be in the mix for a five-star edge? Probably selling them on, uh, look at our pass rushers we've had over the years. Whether it was Chase Young or the Bosa brothers, they seemingly always have one dude off the edge that yeah, can get they to the just, QB. Defensively, they have not been a great team. Haven't. But that is the one thing that they do have, man. They have some prestige when it comes to edge talent. So, we'll see what Larry Johnson and the boys up there can do. Arch Manning lost his first game of the season on Friday night to Tackett Curtis, USC linebacker commit. Arch was 19 of 20 for two touchdowns and no interceptions against the best team that they played this year. So, Arch has lost game one. Tackett Curtis is a baller, bro. Like, I, I understand that... You know, advent of a new staff, a lot of turnover, a lot of change. It probably wasn't super feasible to keep Brian Odom around in any capacity based on the plans that Venables seemed to have when he took over. But man, if Brian Odom's still on staff at OU, Tackett Curtis is a Sooner. Uh, last one I have, this isn't necessarily recruiting because he's already at Mizzou, but former OU five-star commit Luther Burden who ended up picking Mizzou. Oh, boy. I guess this is the new thing now. If you scrub your social media of the team that you play for, it's basically saying, hey, I'm on the market. So, Luther Burden, maybe try to tell some other programs out there, uh, come get me, come offer me. I'm about to hop in the portal soon. Oh, gosh. I, like, that is one thing I hate about covering recruits slash college athletes. Is that the second one of them scrubs their social media, it's a story. I'm not saying it shouldn't be a story because in the vast majority of cases, there's something behind it. Which is like, seriously, are we doing this? Kyla Murray did it and got paid from it, so I guess everyone else is going to do it now. Gosh, man. Maybe, maybe I should scrub my social media. 
What do you think the reaction would be if I scrubbed my social media? They would think that the uh, Kansas State 24-7 site was about to sign you. <laughs> that's that's what you're doing. I'm going out west, folks. Yeah, yeah, he's going to USC. Oh, by God. Oh, don't let that happen. Uh, text line is Adrian Martinez still partying on Campus Corner. I would. I, I, I wouldn't him. fault him. That was if a he were season maker right there. Like and, and and God, it just frustrates you that Kansas State fans and I talked to a couple of them on Saturday before the game. There was a thought that yeah, if this game doesn't go well or it doesn't start well, we might have to throw in a backup quarterback. And it just goes back to the point that I'm sure everyone's tired of hearing, but. You let that type of quarterback have a career game, a career day against you. And it wasn't just running the ball. Did he have four rushing touchdowns on Saturday? Adrian Martinez threw the ball pretty well. Like He wasn't John Elway back there. There were certainly a couple times where OU was close to causing a big mistake, but that's what hurts, man. It's like on the ground he was really good. He even threw the ball as well as he has all year long against you. Long question here on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Answer this, please, says Cam. KSU with a bunch of two- and three-star players, owning OU with four- and five-star talent. Is recruiting at OU overrated or coaching that far below that of KSU? Looks like Sooners aren't getting the bank for the buck on the talent on the team. BV gets a pass this year. He plays with the cards dealt him. Next year, the bullseye is squarely on his back. Kansas State and Kansas sitting ahead of OU in the standings is hard to swallow. Guarantee you OU has better facilities than these schools. We have been led to believe the coaching staff is top deck. Again, looks like KU and KSU is getting a hell of a lot more production on the field than what the Sooners are. Well, well Cam, let's not like, throw Kansas in there. All okay, right. yeah, here's, here's the thing, Cam. You said BV gets a pass this year and then outlined a whole bunch of reasons why you think BV shouldn't get a pass this year. So I'm unclear as to which camp you're in right off the bat here. Do you think Venables gets a pass? Or do you think he should immediately be accountable through four games for this team's faults? Here's the thing. This season is far from over, and that is the most surface-level, obvious observation you can make. But I can promise you that the Big 12 that we are staring down the chute right now is not going to resemble the Big 12 that we will see at the end of the season. No, there's, One not, way or there's not a bad... I mean, what... If you don't think West Virginia is a bad team, then there's not a bad team in the league this year. Yeah, and I, I, I don't think West Virginia is a bad team. I think, they're, <laughs> I think they're below average compared to the rest of the Big 12, but they went to Blacksburg and put it on Virginia Tech. That's not an easy thing to do regardless of how bad Virginia Tech is in any given year, any given Saturday. So, Cam, to answer your question, Kansas State has always, and I mean always, milked the most out of their talent. That is what they thrive on. That's how they've been successful. Is recruiting underrated players that the Blue Bloods overlook and getting the absolute most out of them. Scheming you to death and playing sound, mistake-free football. That is Kansas State's MO. I still don't know what kind of football team Kansas is, so I'm not going to get deep into the weeds on them. But... I think Oklahoma Oklahoma's in an interesting position here because I do think there's a lot of talent on the roster, but I do think there's been enough change that there was always going to be a bump in the road at some point. And we talked about it all offseason, Tyler. The fact that 
OU was going to drop a game in conference play. Sure. You couldn't necessarily point to it, but it was coming. Well, it came a lot earlier than I think any of us expected. But that doesn't mean this team is suddenly incapable of running the table the rest of the way. Is that necessarily an expectation you should have? I don't know. Maybe that's a little over the top. But you can't look at this team and tell me they're not talented enough to go and win the Big 12. Because they are. It comes down to how they respond to what was an undeniably poor performance all around on Saturday. 817 area code KSU equals kryptonite to Sooner University. To these fans who are concerned with the impact to recruiting is the type of negative noise that will run these recruits away. Like they're going to be just fine in recruiting. Like they they lost the game. Yeah, there there's a lot of uh, programs that are recruiting well right now that have lost the game. I, I this is not going to totally flip the recruiting momentum, and all of a sudden you're going to have all these decommitments. That's not going to happen. Again, they are going. I think they are still going to get David Hicks Wednesday at three thirty. Oh, you could have lost this game forty-two to seven instead of forty-one to thirty-four. Guess what? I think regardless of what could have happened on Saturday, they were always going to get David Hicks. Yeah. There's a reason why this timeline was was moved up. So maybe that'll get us all in a better mood the middle of this week, getting a five-star defensive lineman. But yeah, it's hard to look at the situation right now and say it's not just one side of the ball that's got to be better. This entire team's got to get better. Yeah, it's everything. And, 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 and we were so excited about special teams throughout the first three weeks. But once again with Kansas State, right, there's always been a theme. When they are able to beat you, they will do some things offensively, defensively, but they seemingly always have one big special teams play. And they did that when, what, the score was tied 14-all? They did it to you again on special teams, and you weren't able to beat them on that side. All right, Air Comfort Solutions text line 405 651 3439 will close up locked in next. Recruiting winners and losers over the weekend, according to 247 Sports. Loser number one, Michigan State, Mel Tucker, who got a four-star edge player out of Norman, Oklahoma. Michigan State had a bad home loss on Saturday to Minnesota. Um, Texas Tech was a recruiting winner over the weekend. Oklahoma was not listed as a recruiting winner or a recruiting uh, loser. How would you uh, define OU's recruiting weekend with so many uh, 23, 24, and 25 kids on campus? Well, I mean, just, just that. They weren't a winner because they didn't win, but they also weren't a loser in any sense of the word. As we mentioned at the top of the show, a lot of the prospects that were in attendance still had a ton of respect and a ton of admiration for the environment at Owen Field because it was undeniably awesome, albeit in a losing effort. That was something that stood out. And I think among the key targets that were on campus at Oklahoma – those are guys that have deep enough relationships with the OU staff that they're not going to be dissuaded by a single loss. And that's another thing that needs to be emphasized. Right? We, we talk a lot, and we have talked a lot this offseason, about Brent Venables and company recruiting not just the right players, but the right people. And if you're recruiting the right people, those people 
are not going to write your university and write your football program off because they happen to show up on a day that you well, lose a football And game. even the guys that are here, like, this next week, this is kind of the true test of what your culture is and what your program is made of. And we've heard and even said a lot of things throughout the offseason where the culture is better. This program is more maybe stable, maybe a little bit tougher than it's been in recent years. Well, this week, I, the, that, the proof's got to show up this weekend, right? I mean, this is where you really see how much different this program is compared to maybe previous years. Um, the sky is not falling, says the 918. If we expected to lose a game, losing a game to K-State shouldn't have been a surprise. But, Basically saying they're, la- they're uh, glad the loss happened early in the year. Yeah, well, said hopefully the mistakes will be out of our system. Now we aren't a bad team, just made stupid decisions. And, yeah, look, all things considered, and again, I don't want to, I don't want to sound like I'm pumping sunshine here, but I would hope that most everyone can agree on this point. You would rather drop a game that you weren't expected to lose earlier in the season than later. For a variety of reasons, not the least of which is recency bias among pollsters. Right, Tyler? No Because doubt. Hey, you think back to 2017 when Oklahoma lost to Iowa State early in the campaign. They ascended all the way back up to number two in the nation by the end of the year. But 2018 and 2019, the, those losses came a bit later on. The Sooners had to fight tooth and nail to get back to that number four slot to be able to participate in the college football playoff. So that's just one of the reasons why it serves you better uh, to lose earlier in the season than later because not only does it give you a chance to iron out some of the mistakes and give you a chance to apply those in the weeks to come, but it also gives everybody around the nation an opportunity to forget what just happened. Yeah. Uh, Last text, uh, answer this. Does this year's Big 12 champ have two losses? I I think there's a great chance that 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 happens. Baylor already has one. OU already has one, K-State already has one, and now Oklahoma State's at Baylor this weekend as a slight favorite. I think that there's a real good chance the four best teams in the conference all have one loss going into the month of October. So you, so you don't think Kansas is going to run the table, Tyler? Um, I think that they lose two games and then you're, they're your <laughs> conference champ. That's my guess. Yeah. Oh, what a day it has already been and uh, what a week it's going to be. But again, hey! When you're feeling down and a little unsure about this team, if it helps, just say, well, at least we're getting a five-star defensive lineman on Wednesday. Yeah, no joke. And I hope Good that news that, is on the way. I, I hope that that doesn't uh, completely flip in like the last seconds that he picked because the panic meter, as bad as it's been this weekend, and I'm not saying that this is going to happen and David Hicks is going to pick somewhere I might not else. show up to work I'm just saying, ooh, boy, it would be uh, really, really unfortunate if that was the case. That'll do it for Parker. The Rush is coming up next.